0: Hi, this is John Barber, and you're listening to TV Confidential. I've been away from you for so long. Still, every time I think of us, I get blue. But all I can do
1: is dream. Ed Robertson welcoming you back to TV Confidential, a radio talk show about television that will shift gears as we talk about the life and career of music legend Roy Orbison, the guitar playing ray Band's wearing balladeer from Wink, Texas, whose singular voice and inimitable style has inspired the works of Bruce Springsteen, Katie Lang, Tom Petty, Elvis Costello, John Lennon, George Harrison, Bob Dylan, Bobby Goldsboro, Bonnie Raitt, Bono, and countless other Musicians known for such iconic hit songs as "Blue by You," "Running Scared," "In Dreams," and of course, "Oh Pretty Woman," Roy Orbison sang about love, pain, and heartache like few others could. No doubt because he understood it like few others did, having gone through more pain and misery than most of us will see in a lifetime, including the tragic deaths of his first wife and first two. Children. Roy Orbison himself died somewhat tragically in December 1988, and though his music continues to live on, the complete story of the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer has never been told until now, thanks to the efforts of our next guest, John Kruth. John's book, Rhapsody in Black, is a comprehensive look at the life and career of Roy Orbison and the man behind the music will tell you we can find Rhapsody in Black in just a second. or first, we began our conversation by telling John... There are so many things I learned about Roy. The biggest takeaway for me is that with some legends, with some celebrities, when you get to know them or get to know about them, uh, it's like you'd rather not, you know? You'd rather... You'd oh, yeah, not, sure.
0: Of course. But,
1: but with, with Roy... And maybe this is because I'm an introverted heart. He's someone I think I would like if, if I ever crossed paths with him. You know what hey, I'm saying? Well,
0: I can tell you that almost everyone I spoke to said, Roe was the nicest guy you ever met. In fact, I thought about having on the end papers, just having everyone say that Roe was such a nice guy. Nicest guy you ever met, nicest guy in show business. You never met a nicer guy, you know, and had a different name e- each time. Just because it's like the whole book could have been could have been called Nice Guy. Yeah. And you could have had a quote from every single person going, What a nice guy. He was the nicest guy you ever met. So I had to let somebody say that. And I left that to Bonnie Raitt.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I just thought, okay, somebody's got to be the one that just says, Oh, he was the nicest guy you ever met. And it was just like, eh, Bonnie Raitt seemed to be the right person to go with. It, so. <laughs>
1: And the the amazing thing is not that people are entitled to be bitter. But, oh wow! But yeah. considering all the crap he went through, uh, horrors and horrors. Not just crap, but horrors. I know. I mean, to yeah. to to lose your first wife and to lose your first two kids within two years. No, it's it's
0: job like proportion.
1: Yeah, and and yet you know it just. Uh, he and maybe it's because, maybe it's because he just worked so hard and just stayed on the road a lot, but he's just he could have let that define him and he didn't.
0: Oh yeah, no question about it. I mean, he's he's Olympian and heroic and in, in my book, that's one of the reasons why I just felt like I, you know, had to write about him and, and uh, do that because I just I just felt that he was just fantastic <laughs> in the sense that he came through all of this and all of these uh, challenges and all of these all of this just pain and misery and he still managed to make great music so he was really pretty fantastic
1: yeah and it's it's the simplicity of his performance and yet the complexity of Within the simplicity
0: There's simple three and four chord songs in certain ways But, you know, don't mistake the fact that he completely changed the shape And the rules of popular songs mm-hmm. you know, In such early tunes as, you know, uh, Running Scared It has no chorus mm-hmm. And it just starts at point A and just goes to Z And, you know, and it just builds and builds and builds Until, you know, just it's over Place we go, so he, he did that a number of times. Uh, there were very few people that wrote songs without a chorus. I think that when Bob Dylan came out with "Positively Fourth Street," mm-hmm. so many people were surprised it had uh, no chorus.
1: You're right about that, and you know I think you have. Dylan quoted as saying that Roy's songs had songs within songs uh, yeah, absolutely. Which, which speaks to their complexity but I was just thinking in terms of when he took the stage you know he he stood there and he didn't I mean he didn't shake or gyrate like Jagger or Elvis did I mean it right. was it was about the performance and it was about you know the soul and the emotion
0: that right. Absolutely. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Well, look what he was up against. You know, uh, if you go to jazz, if you look at jazz for a moment, and you look at Miles Davis and how he entered into the music through Charlie Parker, uh, he came in and he uh, replaced Dizzy Gillespie. Dizzy Gillespie was the fastest, the hottest trumpet player of the time. Miles was like 19 years old when Bird brought him into the band, mm-hmm. and what was he? What he would have been. Crazy or stupid or just not very imaginative to try to match Dizzy Gillespie. So, what did he do? He put a mute in his trumpet and he played soft and slow and cool, and then he defined an entire new style. Well, Roy was constantly in Elvis's shadow. It's ridiculous. I mean, even his own wife, second wife, Barbara, compares his death to Elvis's death. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's just like. You know, first of all, Elvis hardly played guitar at all. He never wrote any songs. Mm-hmm. How can you compare these two? I mean, sure, they both had pompadours and were on Sun Records and all of that stuff. But, you know, when, you, when you're when you standing next to a quasar, you better, like, uh, figure out how your little light's going to shine, you know?
1: And it's interesting, one of the other reveals of the book is when you, I think, I think the exact quote is: "Roy was one of the most poorly managed acts in history." Absolutely. Yeah, in that except for that period when he was at Monument, nobody seemed to know what to do with him.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely true. I think that's completely true until he got to uh, uh, Jeff Lynne seemed to have a pretty good understanding of what to do with him. Yes, exactly. It's not my favorite aesthetic of his songs at all, but Jeff Lynne. Knew how to deal with him in the 1980s mm-hmm. at that time, and, and it seemed that if he had been able to uh, to stay on Earth, um, he probably things would have really gone great. But I guess he was called.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's you know it, it and yet I mean you mentioned you likened him to Job, which is a which which is a very apt comparison. And yet, while it's sad that he never lived to see the success of Mystery Girl. In a way it if if you look at his entire life story, it's kind of fitting that he died before you know
0: Well, I mean? in the sense of if you're like a writer or if you're like looking at the grand yeah. cosmology or the or life as a play, as Shakespeare would point out. Yeah. And how to he went out on a high note, as yes. I called the last chapter, you know. He went out on a high note. Yeah. He, he broke uh, actually, he once again, in Elvis's shadow, he did something that only Elvis had done before, and that's to have two number one hit songs with two records, mm-hmm. you know, right back-to-back. Back. Yeah. And uh, with two albums, you know, and he, with uh, the Wilburys, and then, of course, his solo album as well.
1: Yeah, well, I am looking at it as a writer. Uh- <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, he probably didn't feel that way. He probably yes. Probably- <laughs> Things are just starting to go good again. I knew they would. Yeah, kept having that feeling it was going to get good again, you know, and and it did. And unfortunately, he couldn't stop smoking those cigarettes.
1: That plus... Even though he didn't succumb to drug abuse and he didn't drink, uh, so he he didn't abuse his body the way a lot of musicians are known to.
0: Right. Well, he didn't have those habits.
1: No, he didn't. But at the same time, he didn't exactly take care of himself.
0: No. Well, you know. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, how many musicians do? You know, that was something that's, that really came across, started happening, I guess, with yeah. Mick Jagger or something, and suddenly all the guys w- were playing golf, you know, uh, in, in, the, in the 90s, golf sort of became, and, and hey, I think that's great because, I mean, I've been on the road, I've toured with various bands, I've mm-hmm. had nine albums of my own out and played with, lot of different people and I see how extremely unhealthy it is it's a young man's sport yeah so after a while yeah
1: <laughs> no yeah, it's hard, just it's hard
0: to, it's hard to keep from losing the body yes 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 but uh
1: which is another point I forgot how young he was when he died
0: yeah well it gets younger every day doesn't it <laughs> I've noticed that myself. Yeah. My first book was on the great jazz saxophonist and flautist, and uh, Rasan Roland Kirk, and he died at 42, and it just, it was just stunning to me. You know, I, was, I started that book when I was 40 years yeah. old, and I just was like...
1: We're talking to John Kruth. John's book, Rhapsody in Black The Life and Music of Roy Orbison, is a comprehensive biography of the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer that includes interviews with more than 20 people who work closely with Roy Orbison throughout his life, plus the backstory behind Blue By You, Running Scared, In Dreams, Pretty Woman, and other classic songs. You can find Rhapsody in Black in bookstores everywhere, as well as Amazon.com, BarnesNoble.com, and wherever books are sold online. How did you come to write Rhapsody in Black?
0: Well, I read a book that I wasn't um, too impressed with, uh, Alan Clayson's book. I didn't really particularly care for it, um, though I did really like uh, uh, Ellis Amburn's book quite a bit. Uh, I think that Ellis Amburn's a good writer. He wrote for Newsweek magazine. He has a very good sense of history and great way of putting a book together. Uh, He also wrote a book on Buddy Holly, and um, I uh, I read those two books, and I thought with Clayson's book that he deserved better, and with Ellis Amburn's book, I felt like he was a really good historian, and spoke to a lot of great a lot of people that were alive back then to speak to. But I'm a musician, and I write music, and I play a number of instruments, and I just felt that maybe there was more a lot more to say about about roy's music than was being said even in some of uh barbara orbison's posthumous projects that she released the soul of rock and roll which is a really beautiful package Mm -hmm. but it didn't really delve into anything that wasn't like party platform roy orbison and there's a lot of odd tracks out there that people don't know anything about, like the uh, the Hank Williams, the Roy Orbison way. What a great record that is, Mm -hmm. just off the chart, wacko. It sounds like Lee Hazelwood, you know, producing Nancy Sinatra Mm -hmm. or something, you know? It's just not what you expect of a Hank Williams record. And and, uh, so I love that record. And there were little gems sprinkled throughout MGM, uh, through his nine or ten records at that point.
1: And, and the fact that you approach Rhapsody and Black John as a musician with the insight of of a musician and a performer, I mean that speaks to one of the uh, other things I love about the book is that it's a biography, but it's sort of an extended liner notes about the music because we learn as much uh, about Roy through his music as we do through anything uh, else.
0: Yeah, well, it's the life and music of, and, and I really thought that it was really important. Some people uh, might feel that I should have gone into more detail about certain aspects of his life, but I just, uh, as Roy said himself, his his life was a never-ending dream, mm-hmm. and I have a certain kind of stream of consciousness style of writing, and and which I feel really. Reflects uh, what life is about for many of us, you know. It's not is it's not all like a way many biographies uh, make it, you know. It's it it, life has a a flow to it, and so it's just that's how I write. And um, someone criticized that I had something like forty words in one sentence, but it just seemed to be. You know, I was on the flow there with uh, with Roy Orbison. <laughs>
1: well, you know, it sounds like that was an editor speaking and not a writer. But as, as someone who has put books together, no, it was it was a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> but as 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 someone who has who has put books together, like Rhapsody in Black, I'm always interested. In style, and I'm always interested in choices. And 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 as I say, I can't say enough how much I enjoy this book as a writer and as a fan of Orbison. Oh, thanks. We're talking to John Kruth. John's book, Rhapsody in Black, The Life and Music of Roy Orbison, is a comprehensive biography of the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer that includes interviews with more than 20 people who worked closely with Roy Orbison throughout his life, plus the backstory behind Blue Bayou, Running Scared, In Dreams, Pretty Woman, and other classic songs. There's so many things I want to chat with you about. One thing before I forget is I was glad to see that you mentioned his appearance on SCTV in the early 1980s. Wasn't that wild? Well, I have to admit, I'm a, I'm a, I've am been a huge fan of SCTV since the early 70s. and Sure, of course. I'll admit, John, that when I first saw that in 1981... I didn't think that was actually Roy. I thought that was Dave Thomas as Roy. Because, uh, because you know, because they're so good at mimicking people. Right. Um, and and it, it wasn't until he actually performed Pretty Woman that I realized, my God, they got Roy Orbison. Yeah. We'll continue our conversation with John after this quick time out here on TV Confidential. Mm, a candy-colored clown they call the Sandman. Tiptoes to my room every night Just to sprinkle stardust and to whisper Go to sleep, everything is all
0: right I close my eyes
2: Then I go away Into the... An adult elephant can weigh up to six tons. The average person, 150 pounds. Ever heard of carfentanil? It's a large wild animal tranquilizer. Illegal drug dealers lace heroin with it. It can kill the average human. If you or a loved one is addicted to opiates, even pain pills, don't wait until it's too late. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. We care, many of us have been where you are. We'll take you or a loved one away from the drug environment to a place you can clean out safely. Plus, we'll work with your insurance company to make sure you get the treatment you need. And with a Family Medical Leave Act, you're allowed by law to get away for help without telling your employer why. Call now to save a life. 866-490-3991. 866-490-3991. 866-490-3991. Ed Robertson author friend
1: Donna Allen Figueroa, who I understand has a new book out.
3: Yes, it's entitled Fall Again Beginnings. It's the first part of a four-part contemporary romantic series set against the background of working actors.
1: Something that you know a little, a thing well, or two about. Well, you about.
3: write what you know. And I have been working in the business for several years. It
1: is not necessarily autobiographical, but it's based on... Sure,
3: many of the experiences that the actors in my book have. Many have happened to me, many have happened to friends of mine. It's not, if you're looking for Valley of the Dolls, it's not, it's grounded in reality.
1: It is grounded in reality, and it's the first in a series. Yes. Called the Fall Again series. Fall Again. Which is available as a paperback as well as an ebook. And in Kindle. Let fallagainseries.com. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contract. Our experienced partners are offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. You'll never pay another timeshare maintenance bill again, and all your obligations will be terminated. You can begin saving today. Even if you've tried another company to get rid of your timeshare, call and see if we can help you. At the Timeshare Exit Hotline, we only accept payment after an agreement has been made. To get you out of your timeshare, make this complimentary free call and learn how
2: our honest partners can help anyone, anywhere, legally get out of their timeshare nightmare. 800 715 6093 800-715-6093. 800-715-6093. That's 800-715-6093.
3: This portion of TV Confidential is sponsored by The Misadventures of Biffle & Schuster. The hilarious site splitting new DVD available through Kino Lorber. Thanks for powering our stream